Now you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday. It's the 9th of June. Pori Corkin, good morning to good you. Good morning, dear Jen. What a beautiful morning. It's well, out there. thanks but a God. Uh, yes, at the, it has been a tough week, hasn't it? Oh my goodness me. And, and hardship. My God. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I, I know my garden isn't the most prolific, but what's in it has fairly gotten battered Hammered. over the last few days. Yeah, I, I was kind of really feeling, I've one or two, uh, you know, kind of more delicate plants, shall we say, in pots. Uh, they really have suffered. I, my heart goes out to people who, uh, you know, have put huge effort in and now I'd say they're looking out. Will things just perk back up a uh, little they bit? Should do. They should do. I mean, the wind and the rain has been uh, has been quite damaging and, and particularly at this time of year, many plants are, are quite soft. The young growth is very tender and naturally enough, when you get a lot of wind and heavy rain like mm. that, it can actually uh, cause browning and damage and foliage and, and there is a bit about, of that about at the moment on trees and shrubs and on hedges, specks of brown and, and brown mark and kind of bruising on foliage and that is just typical of the kind of weather that we've been having between cold Aprils and, and wind and, and rain. It's it's certainly been a, a difficult couple of weeks certainly for plants in the garden mm. and particularly tender plants. Uh, but, you know, having said that, a lot of that is going to, once you get some fresh growth, um, plants will grow out of that. So the odd bit of marking and bit of browning on foliage don't worry about it at all. It, you know, plants will, will come back from that. It's a good time with all the moisture to feed plants, actually. You know, right. so we're in, still in that very strong growing period right through June. So if listeners haven't plant or fed their trees and shrubs and their hedging plants and maybe things like lupins or any of the herbaceous plants, yes. peony roses that we talked about before, plants like that will benefit from a good dressing of a, a tree and shrub fertilizer, particularly with the moisture levels uh, that we have at the moment. You know, it'll be very, it'll work very, very quickly, uh, and plants will respond to it, and you'll get lots of young growth. So you know, we tend to think about plants growing; they grow from April, mid-April through till about the end of June, yes. July. That's the main growing period and that's the time that we feed plants. So, you know, make make use of the fact that the soil is quite moist now to feed plants in the garden. Indeed, the lawns as well. If you've got, if you haven't fed your lawns, looking a bit yellow or tired, then after this heavy rain would be an ideal time to get some fertiliser onto the lawn because it'll respond very, very quickly with that moisture. If you had a dry period at this time of year, I would be saying, you know, wait until the rain, rain comes, comes to feed plants in general. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's certainly been... A, tough week, week. I thought waking up this morning the lawns were going to be covered in f- in, in floods of water but yeah. it seems to have drained quite well over, overnight the night so you know get out there into the garden and start certainly start Yeah I was just going to ask about that because I, I, I suppose I noticed uh, when I was driving kind of over this morning that um, there were fields that were under flood in spots Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. and you know the r- rivers are very very high, very high in kind of that two day period They are indeed um, So I, I was wondering what uh, kind of knock on effect would that have in the garden but well, really it is it is draining fairly well It's though. draining well but at the same time there's a high degree of moisture mm. we had nearly up to two inches of rain which is nearly a month rain uh, typically in June so it's it's a huge amount of water in a very very short period but but thankfully hopefully it, it's draining in most gardens and um, I suppose I would just use it at this time of year to certainly feed plants now and over the next two to three weeks you'll see the benefit of that Okay. but browning marks in the leaves look at that's going to be a lot of weather 
uh, this year and uh, you know don't get upset about it it's not pest or disease damage it's just physical hardship that the plants have had over the last couple of weeks and feeding will help to bring plants out of that Okay well I don't know what the long term forecast is I think I'm afraid to look at and it so at this I. stage but uh, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's going to improve I somewhat the next two days are to, are to be right. nice anyway, we'll so let's make we'll take that. that as it comes yes, and, and, be, and be thankful for it exactly. now we have loads of questions okay. pouring lots I? of uh, people up some people very early I have to say this morning uh, with questions but let's uh, crack on to them strawberries first of all somebody has strawberries in pots they're growing well up to okay. last weekend Good. but the plants have wilted <clears> and the person sees a white grub or a maggot in the compost and they're wondering what could this be any yes, suggestions that's strawberry weevil very very similar to a vine weevil which um, listeners are probably very familiar with particularly if they've got tubs and containers and hanging baskets basically it's a, it's a small uh, grub that feeds on the roots of strawberries um, it's laid by, by the, the strawberry beetle and not surprisingly particularly when you have strawberries growing in pots or hanging baskets where they're confined the weevil can do quite a bit of damage because the roots literally can't get away from it and it continually damages the roots so what I would advise is an application of um, if it's if the listener has a lot of pots they could use something like karate which is a, a treatment that can be used on vine weevils and carrot root fly and cabbage root fly and so on um, and that will kill the, the pest overnight or you can use the super nemos the the um the parasitic nemos that, that I featured before, mm-hmm. which is, I suppose, a non-chemical treatment. So, again, if you've got vine weevil or carrot root fly or wireworm in the garden, any of those soil-borne pests, leather jackets, for example, the super nemos would be very effective uh, this time of year as well because the temperatures are just ideal. Okay. And with both, you simply just mix them in water, drench the soil, pour it onto the soil, and that will kill the, the strawberry weevil overnight. Now, it depends how much damage has been done to the strawberry roots. Right. If the plants are collapsing, there could be quite a bit of uh, root damage and you know it will take time for those plants to actually com- recuperate from that because they literally have to produce a lot of new roots. But certainly uh, an application of the super nemos will, will um, solve the problem within a couple of days or the a treatment of karate will, will, will get them. Okay, lovely. Uh, and hopefully that person will have lots of nice strawberries yeah, before hopefully. too long. Now, somebody has hollyhocks, foxgloves and delphiniums in flower <clears> in the garden. And they're wondering, Pori, what's the best way to make more of them? Can they take cuttings? They can indeed. And, and actually, they're beautiful at the moment. Lupins have just come into flower in the, over the last uh, week or 10 days and they're really, really good at the moment and a great time to plant them as well. Delphiniums and hollyhocks and a lot of the herbaceous plants, uh, they're flowering at this time of year, but they're also putting on a lot of new growth and a lot of stem growth in particular and it's that young stem growth that I would take as cuttings at this time of year so you simply take a 4 to 5 inch cutting of say a lupin stem young stem preferably strip off all the leaves and just leave a single leaf at the very top of the cutting try and take it at a node which is where a leaf joins the stem it's that kind of little bump Mm -hmm. on the stem and so you're taking maybe a 4 5 inch cutting, you're stripping off the leaves you're cutting at a node with a sharp blade dip it into a little bit of rooting powder and stick it into a very small pot, you know, maybe a um, three or four inch pot, you'll put anything up to seven or eight cuttings of lupins into that. Have the compost nice and gritty, a nice mix of maybe perlite or sand through the compost. Stick in your cuttings after dipping them in the rooting powder. Cover with a polythene bag, something like the butchers use on meat, that milky sort of a white bag. Right. Stick it on a windowsill and the cuttings will actually root within about 
a 14-day, maybe 21-day period. So they'll actually root very rapidly. I'd keep them indoors if you had a greenhouse or a tunnel. Stick them in somewhere like that, somewhere bright uh, but warm, and they'll root that bit faster. And the idea of the polythene bag is that it keeps the moisture it keeps the moist so and it keeps the humidity of the uh, the temperature very high and high humidity so that it encourages the cuttings to root very rapidly. So lupins, delphiniums, hollyhocks would be ideal for that and indeed a lot of shrubs can be taken as cuttings at this time of year. Fuchsia, for example, nice. spireas, uh, forsythiae, a lot of, uh, and, and in particular focus on the young growth, that very uh, fresh growth that it has made over the last couple of weeks. Remember the rooting powder, that's important to get them to root. And um, within a couple of weeks, you're going to have excellent, strong young plants that will flower this time next year. The other thing you can do with delphiniums, uh, lupins, hollyhocks, uh, anything in that kind of perennial family is to sow them from seed at this time of year. Okay. Right, and again, the seed is cheap to buy. Again, sow it in trays. It'll germinate very rapidly. Cover it with cling film. Keep it indoors, preferably, or it can. You can leave them outdoors if you want, but in a sheltered spot. Keep them out of the rain somewhere under a hedge, maybe, or in a tunnel or greenhouse. And the seed will germinate again in about a two-week period. And again, you'll have very strong plants that will flower this time of year next year. If you think about it, the lupins are flowering now. Yes. Right? So what do they do after they flower? Seed. Produce seed. Mm. So it's this time of the summer, June, July, that we actually sow seed of plants that flower at this time of year. So all the perennial plants, the, the foxgloves, the lupins, delphiniums, any of those plants that flower year after year, you sow them from seed or take them from cuttings at this time of year to flower mm. next summer. Okay. Very good. Now, somebody, roses. We have a couple of questions on roses this morning. Um, So obviously they're causing a little difficulty in a few gardens. Uh, One person, first of all, some of their roses died last year. They were told they cannot plant new roses into this soil. Is this true or can they go ahead and plant new roses? Well, funny enough, it is with with, uh, roses, there is a thing called rose sickness that if the roots of the soil or the roots of of a rose are left in the soil, the, the old roots produce a bacterial uh, fungus that actually attacks new roses funnily enough. Oh. So it's a thing called rose sickness now. And and pansies for example are similar. If you pan- plant pansies in the same piece of garden year after year they eventually start to uh, you know, they start to go back and, and become retarded because again the pansies re- release, the roots of pansies release a particular fungus into the soil that if you're planting pansies year after year in the same ground they won't actually be as prolific. They'll right. start to go back so for both of those it, it, it's a thing called rose sickness now having said that there is a there is a treatment that has come out in the last couple of years called root grow which is a natural occurring bacterial material that reverses the rose sickness so the answer is if you're at, if you want to plant roses into the piece of soil again yes you can but you get get yourself a little tub of root grow it's small little crystals you mix it to the to the to the soil that you're planting with and I, indeed what i would do is just maybe take out a little bit of the soil the old mm. soil that was there so scoop out a shovelful of the old soil get rid of that put it on the veg garden put it somewhere else it'll be perfectly fine and mix in the root grow granules into the soil before planting the roses now irrespective of what you're planting those root grow granules are actually very good for what they do is stimulate new growth right so it's a, a particular bacteria that you can add to the soil um, and it encourages the roots of plants to actually come into growth very rapidly. So if you're planting a new hedge or a new tree or some shrubs or roses in the garden, then get yourself a little tub of the root grow, mix it through the soil. All you need is about a spoonful for each plant and that helps to get the roots stimulated and growing very strongly. But in this particular instance where the listener is quite right, 
Um, up to now, certainly rose sickness would have been a problem. We would advise people not to have planted roses in the same piece of ground year, you know, because because of this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, or certainly we would have advised them to take a lot of the soil out. But in this instance, I would just remove a small bit of soil, about a shovel full, put in your root grow granules, plant your roses, and it's a great time to plant roses. They're coming into flower now, okay. just starting. So if you want a nice red rose, Trumpeter is a lovely one, or Arthur Bell is a lovely scented yellow one. Great time to plant roses in the garden because you can pick the you can go and look at them and say, well, yeah. I like that particular variety and plant them in the garden, um, particularly with the soil conditions the way that they, are, that they are. But in this instance, I would use just some, some root grow. Or if people have plants that are kind of struggling a bit in the garden, mm. um, you know, that root grow is, is very good to help them to, to, to stimulate new growth and get them, uh, get putting them. a little bit of energy back into them. Okay. Good stuff. Now, uh, the other roses question then, yeah. and uh, you might have just touched on that well, a little yeah. bit, but they have lots of, ro- this person has lots of roses in the garden. They're, only one of the bushes is in bloom okay. and they've put farmyard manure to them about two months ago and now they've also lots of shrubs and daffodils set in the same area. Okay. What so, do you think? Oh, <laughs> now pork, don't be asking me hard <laughs> questions. Well, the farmer manure, you see, yeah. is full of nitrogen. Oh, right. right? Yeah, so yeah. what that's going to do... I mean, back that, to the chemistry again. Yeah, and, and, and at this time of year, what you're, you're trying to promote, what nitrogen is going to do is create a lot of vegetative growth, a lot of leaf growth and stem growth. And, mm. I, and I guess the roses are actually galloping ahead in terms of producing new leaves and stems and growing very strongly, but they're not um, flowering right. because it's high nitrogen. And uh, so uh, basically the listener shouldn't have put the farmer manure on the plants at this time of year. It's fine when you're planting roses yeah. initially because the farmer manure will enrich the soil, it'll help the roots to get down into the soil. So great to use in the autumn and winter period. But at this time of year, you need a high potash feed. You need a rose fertilizer. And potash does exactly the opposite to nitrogen. It slows down growth and it forces plants into flower. So you need a high potash feed. So my advice really is if the farm manure is still on the top of the surface is to take that away and get yourself either sulphate of potash or get a box of top rose fertilizer and apply that to the rose. Um, and that will be high in potash. It'll reverse the nitrogen effect, so it'll slow the plants down and it'll induce them into flower. Now remember, it's only June. Yes. Roses flower to November. Okay. There's plenty of time for for them all to come on. Be, yeah, yeah. And, and I know people are looking at other gardens saying, oh, the roses are in flower in the neighbours' yeah. gardens or whatever. It, they will come back into flower, but the more high nitrogen fertilisers, particularly farm manure you put on plants, you get a lot of vegetative growth and stem growth at the expense of flowers. So um, really what I would do is just take off the farm manure if you can and apply sulphur of potash or a top rose fertiliser. Do it now in about a month's time again and that'll bring the plants back into flower. And for listeners that have roses in the garden, now is the time to feed them. Feed them once a month, once they start to produce their flower buds and they're really being great condition. The other thing is to keep an eye, I think I mentioned mildew last week. Yes. And mildew and roses. And particularly in this instance where they're very soft, there's a lot of vegetative growth, you're encouraging uh, mildew onto the plants. So do spray with something like rose clear or fungus clear to keep the mildew off roses at the moment. Um, and, and the rose clear will, will eliminate the aphids as well. Okay. So when they're growing that soft and luxurious growth on them, the aphids and the, the mildew tend to zone in on them. Right. And particularly with this sort of wet, clammy weather, you're going to get problems like that. So feed them by, by all means with the top rose and do put some rose clear. Again, about rose clear should be put on about every fortnight just to keep them clean. Now, we said that things had gotten battered. Somebody is wondering, what can one do with rain-battered onions? Uh, they're wondering, will they stand back up themselves? They're in raised boxes. It just depends on, on if the stems have been broken. 
if they've actually been bent, mm. then they won't stand back up again. Right. Um, now they'll continue to grow, funnily enough, they'll, yeah, but they'll grow flat on the on the, the stems will grow on the kind of on soil surface. Oh, right. Um, you so, know, okay, so they'll just yeah. yeah. So it depends on how badly they've damaged. You know, if the actual stems are broken or bent. Uh, you know, literally a dint in 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 in, in the stem, and it's mm. keeled over. Then they'll continue to grow all right, but they won't. The, the stems won't uh, pop back up again. Okay. If they're just falling over, then yes, they will. They'll come back up again. So it really depends how much damage has has okay. been caused them. If they're in a windy spot, I guess they're probably the stems have been bent, and and you know the the actual stem has kind of keeled over. Um, and in that instance, they'll just literally grow a sort of flash. They'll st- they'll raise themselves slightly, yeah. but they won't become upright again. Um, yeah, as you'd expect, yeah. And does that affect then the formation of the onion? Bulb no, it'll itself? actually still yeah. produce a, a good size onion. And you know, if we do, if we end up having a very wet summer, you may get some uh, stem rot on on the, the fact that the stems are kind of lying on the soil surface. You know, is going to um, it could encourage some stem rot on the plant. But but in general, no, that they'll continue to grow even though they've been flattened over. They're still reaching the sunlight. You know, they're still forth sensitizing. They're still producing lots of of of. Uh, bulk into the bulb right. so they'll they'll still be okay okay they'll still be fine okay good stuff now rabbits uh, i know these are exercising this people at the moment yeah. yeah how can you get rid of rabbits in the lawn they have the roses and flowers eaten every flower this person puts down uh, rabbits seem to eat them well you know it's the age-old problem what do you do i mean you know the, 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 there is a treatment called grazers mm. which you can put on it's it's um, a calcium based treatment that you mix with water you can actually put it on to the foliage of the plants be it vegetables flowers fruiting plants, roses or whatever and the taste of, of the calcium that rabbits dislike. So that's grazers. It's specifically used where plant, where rabbits or hares or deer or pigeons, funny enough, are attacking plants and mm-hmm. you want to use something safe to use um, kind of a non-chemical treatment then grazers would be very good to use but it, it's, a, it's a short-term uh, treatment. I mean it's, you know it's not going to stop the rabbits from coming into the garden. Yes. It can stop them actually eating those particular plants and they'll go elsewhere to, to eat the plants. So as a short-term solution, the grazer certainly will work. You need to apply it onto the foliage of the plants and the rabbits will stop eating those plants. Now with roses, they tend to feed at this time of year when the growth is very soft, soft. and the thorns haven't formed. As the roses get into July and August and they toughen up a little bit, they dislike them and, and they, they tend to grow above the height that, that rabbits are going to be feeding on anyway. So if you kind of get the, the roses through the next couple of weeks, then they'll be okay. Uh, and maybe the grazer solution would be, would be something to try and particularly on the bedding plants as well. Okay, lovely. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, it's just coming up on 24 minutes now past nine o'clock. Uh, Park is with us though till 10, so stay tuned. Lots more to come. Okay, you're very welcome back. It is, of course, the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio, Saturday morning, and the sun is shining for the moment <laughs> anyway, Forrick. Yes, yes, yes. Now, uh, back to some of these questions. Uh, rabbits, oh no, we talked about the rabbits. Uh, now, somebody is wondering about uh, their cabbage and their sprout plants are collapsing and they cannot oh. see any damage on the stems or leaves and they use slug control help is what the text the says. control isn't working. Well, that's yeah. that's ca- that's uh, cabbage root fly. So you won't actually see them. Again, it's a bit like the vine weevil on the strawberries. It's a root pest that attacks anything in the brassica family. So cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts can be attacked by them. Um, again, it's a maggot that just eats the roots. So again, you can use what I recommended actually for the strawberries is to use either the super nemos, which would be mm-hmm. very effective if you want an organic, non, non-invasive uh, or non-chemical treatment will certainly see them off. And applying the super nemos now through a watering can 
and you just drench it onto the base of the cabbage plant down at the root and overnight it will kill off the root fly because it'll be just under the surface of the soil. Um, the other area, if it's a big area, then you could use the karata treatment and again that will kill the cabbage root fly. So either or will 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 eliminate it. And again, it's that time of year when if cabbages are just wilting for no mm. reason and, and when you when you lift them, they literally nearly come out of the soil, that's a sure indication of that cabbage the root, root system has been damaged. Cabbage root fly. It's just a small maggot that has been laid on the soil at the base of the of the uh, cabbage stem. He hatches out, starts to feed on the roots and of course your plant keels over. Uh, so it's typical symptoms of cabbage root fly. So my answer really is super nemo. And that super nemo you can use it on uh, for carrots for brassicas, uh, it'll kill leather jackets, wireworm. So it'll actually do quite a good treatment and it's non-chemical, it's an org- it has the organic symbol. Okay, yeah, it's, it no seems harm. to be kind of nearly the wonder product well, of this well, year fu- a little well, bit, is it? Funny enough, it was, it was, um, there was a great article in the uh, Independent this week in the farming section on uh, the Super Nemo. It was invented in Ireland. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, invented in Ireland and it a lot of the growers now, the, the fruit growers in particular, the strawberry growers, um, are using it. And they're what they're finding is, A, it's very effective, but also the crop is, act, because there's no, no pest damage mm. now, the crop has increased by 20 or 30%, I think they're wow. reporting. Yeah, because of it. Um, great article, you know, it was it was actually a um, re- really good article, but it was it came from the fruit growers in particular and they had many quotes from, from various fruit growers that yes. have tried it. Um, and I suppose it, it stops the use of chemicals and chemicals in particular. Which is a great thing, obviously. Great, yeah. yeah and, and also it, chemicals can be very expensive. So, so they're, they're, they're extremely happy with it. Okay, so they're uh, looking at it obviously as uh, from the economic point of view and the the effectiveness in terms of whether it can do the job or not. Job, and also that the crop itself has increased in production because simply the pests have been you know, it has been so successful yeah. in, in controlling um, strawberry weevils and weevils in general and carrot root fly and vine weevil and so on. Now, just to, I suppose to, again, if people want to read up on Super Nemo's, mm. I have it on my blog. So if you go on to gardencentre.ie, click on the blog. I, I wrote an article a couple of weeks back around it. So it tells you exactly about the product and how to use it. It must be used when, when the soil temperature is above 10 degrees Celsius. So it's ideal at this time of year, June, July, early August, a great time to use it. It's not really suitable then after that right. because the, the temperatures get cooler. Okay, but this is the main growing season anyway, yeah. so if you want it to be effective, it's now that you really need it. You do, and yeah. it only attacks the pest. It won't damage the carrot or it won't damage the, the cabbage plants or whatever. And once it becomes effective, it kills off the pest and then it naturally dies away itself. Okay. Right, horse's tail in oh, a driveway. Yeah. How do we get rid of that? Oh, the old horse tail, yeah. huh? It's, it's, um, how do you get rid of it? Well, to, to treat it, I would use... Um, I would use root out, which is a, a treatment you, made by the people that use make Roundup. Um, so mi- simply mix the root out in water, uh, apply it to the to the um, the horsetail foliage, and it will kill it back. Now it doesn't kill the root totally, and you may need to reapply it. Not so much this year, but next spring again. It's going to take a couple of ca- applications to get rid of mare's tail. Okay. Um, very tough to get rid of. You'll also find um, products like uh, Morton or some of the lawn weed killer products effective on on mare's tail as well but for me the, I would use the, the root out uh, the brushwood killer from, from Roundup it's very effective on mare's tail do it on a dry day and um, it'll kill it within three or four days Okay. Now, what type of weed killer could one use around two-year-old gristolinia trees? Well, it depends. It depends. If there are weeds there at the moment, then I would just be very careful. Um, uh, So, say, for example, if it's just grass, 
then you can we can use the, the listener can use the fuselage just to kill the grass and it won't damage the gristle in your hedge. If it's a whole spectrum of different weeds, docks and dandelions and whatever, broadleaf weeds, then the listener would want to cover the gristlenia plants with plastic bags. Nice. They're only two years old, so they'll be quite small. So literally, literally get yourself a, a couple of bin liners, cover the plants and tie the bag tightly around the stem of the plant so you're covering the entire foliage and stems of the plant. Cover the hedge with that and then you can spray very safely with 360, weed-free 360. You mix it in water, you can apply it right down. It doesn't matter that it drips around the, the stem mm. or, or roots. It, does, yeah. it won't. Once it touches the soil, it becomes neutralised. Right. So it only kill kills what it touches so hence you cover the foliage of the gristle in your head so bin liners would be ideal just put it literally over the top of the plant tie it around the base of it spray the entire both the back and the front of the hedge with the 360 um, wait for the, the weed killer to dry which will only take a half an hour at most and then you can safely take off the bags the, the weed killer because once it touches the soil it becomes neutralised so it's not going to damage your gristle in your hedge through the, the soil uh, but it will kill anything that it touches, be it nettles, uh, whatever, docks, grass, all sorts of weeds. It will kill everything it touches without contaminating your soil. But it is important to cover the gristlenia hedge um, with, with something with polythene bags or with bin, with, with a bin maybe, or something that will actually exclude the foliage from the spray. Mm. Now, once you've got it clean, once the, the, the soil is clean around the gristlenia hedge, mm. then you can use uh, the premaser treatment, which will stop weeds growing every year. So if you apply that once a year, Ideally, in the springtime in March or early April, you can do it at this time of year as well. Once the soil is clean, it'll keep the soil clean for the rest of the year. So it saves you having to use other weed killers or the, the weeds just won't grow and it won't impede the growth of the gristle in the edge. Okay, very good. Now, somebody has small shrubs set in a bed with a roll of weed control and yes. chippings. Yeah. They were set in their pots and caller wonders, will she have to move them? Well, if you planted them in their pots, <clears throat> that's... That's you know you, that shouldn't have happened. You should you need to take the pots off because they're plastic pots. They're going to imp- impede the growth. Now, to a certain degree, the roots will grow out the bottom of the holes of the yeah. pots. But what will happen ultimately is that the because the pot is circular, the majority of the roots will continue to grow in that circular pattern, following the, the shape of the pot, and you'll end up with the plants nearly strangling themselves if that makes sense so to be honest my advice is if it's a small bed and it's just newly done take off the chippings take off the the plantics or the weed field material take the pots or the plants out of their pots and replant it will pay you to do that Um, you know because long term those plants will start to fail it might take them three or four years before they start to 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 you know, they'll actually certainly impede their growth and I think long term the plants will fail themselves. Right. So my advice would be to redo the bed, just take off the chippings, take off the, the, the material, lift the plants again, slip off the plastic pots, replant them and put the membrane back and, and the chippings back and they'll be perfectly okay and you can still do that. Uh, um, the fact that they've been newly planted, you know, there's, there's no problem right. whatsoever. Okay. Uh, somebody has early potatoes of Orla that they're Good. digging now in the lovely, tunnel. Oh, lovely. yummy. Uh, what can I plant into the space, either vegetables or fruiting plants, please? Well, there's a, there's a whole range of, of plants that can be used, particularly in the tunnel. I would, first of all, you can, you can it's still not too late to plant tomatoes, so anything in the tomato family can be planted at this time of year. Peppers could be planted. Cucumber plants can be planted at this time of year. So they're all fruiting plants that would do very well in, 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 the, in the tunnel. Strawberry plants mm-hmm. would, would fruit very well for you. And all the vegetable plants 
are still available. I mean, uh, cauliflower, cabbage, the Savoy cabbage, which is lovely, that lovely crinkledy cabbage. If you plant it now in the tunnel, you'll have it, be cutting it in August, which would be very nice. Uh, lettuce plants can be planted, the Laura Rossa or the icebergs or uh, salad bowl lettuce plants. Um, so any of the vegetable plants, dear, to be honest, can be okay. still planted, mm. no problem at all. The other thing that you can do, which I did myself last year just for the crack, was um, you could take a couple of the Orla see the, the actual potatoes themselves, yeah. right? And replant them. Okay. Right? So so what you would do is as you're digging the, the, the potato uh, stalks, clean out all the, the potatoes in that area, um, put in a bit of compost with a little bit of fertilizer and then select a couple of, of the potatoes, the older potatoes, the the, the, um, the new potatoes, about egg size, the size of eggs, yeah. and replant them back into the soil. They'll regrow and you'll have potatoes uh, October, November, coming up to Christmas. So you're kind of getting the double bubble you out are. of your potato Correct. seed in the first instance. Correct. You're tricking the, the plant into thinking it's still springtime. <laughs> It'll actually regrow. Okay. I did it last year. Just wow. I think I did it with British Queens last year, just for, for, for the fun of it. Yeah, to see. And I had potatoes. I was taking the potatoes very close to Christmas. I think it was maybe two weeks before Christmas. I was actually taking the, the uh, potatoes out of the soil. Now, they were in a tunnel, of course. Yes. Um, and in this instance, it would be ideal. So if you wanted, just, just for the, a bit of interest, you could plant a handful of the Orla seed or the actual the, the tubers that you're yes. lifting, particularly the smaller oh. ones. And by planting them now, you'll certainly have a crop by October, November, uh, and they'll they'll pr- produce a quite a good size because uh, you know you've still got a long yeah. growing season yet. So, cucumbers, peppers, tomatoes, all of those that you can still plant if you want something different. All of the vegetable plants can still be planted this year, and indeed a lot of seed can still be sown in vegetables. You know, runner beans, French beans, mm. uh, mange two peas. All of that can still be sown from seed. You've still got plenty of time to do that, and and certainly then if you just want to experiment just for the fun of it uh, in the tunnel take a couple of the potato seed, replant them and they will regrow and you'll get a, a second crop uh, in late autumn, early winter. Okay, there excellent. Yeah, that's the something different. D- definitely something you different. You didn't think I was going to go up with that no, one? No, I didn't actually. And, quite, and a great achievement, like if you are into the gardening and, yeah. you know, seeing things grow and do things and a little bit different. Potatoes, that time yeah. of year is, you know, to just a novelty. Two, two crops yeah. of potatoes yeah. in the one year. Okay, now, last week we gave somebody a tip on rhubarb or right. and over the past two weeks uh, it's been growing back great. great. They're wondering what to feed it with and plea, with please and when should they stop picking it? Uh, well, and uh, I think rhubarb in general people will find it has responded quite well in the last couple of weeks. Mm. I would feed it now with Vitex Q4. It's a pelleted uh, fertiliser. Put that on and again with the, with the kind of levels of moisture that we have it'll be ideal to get it on now around the base rhubarb and it works very fast so that's Vitex Q4 it's a, it's a traditional pit, uh, potato or vegetable fertiliser sprinkle it on um, the rhubarb will respond to it very rapidly and I would normally stop pulling the rhubarb about the middle of July give it the rest of the season to grow back and, and put some energy back into itself so you've got probably another four to five weeks of pulling the, the, the rhubarb mm. stands and after that they should be left alone for the rest of the year just to to, to re you know to build up some energy for the following season so don't keep cropping it right through the July August period leave it alone after the first or second week of July to grow back naturally okay. but feeding it now will certainly spurt on some new growth Okay, good. Now, is there such a thing as a tomato plant for a hanging basket? This person would love mm. to grow tomatoes, but do all the, their gardening in pots. So, oh, yeah, yeah. ideal. Um, yes, there is. There's a variety called, uh, for hanging baskets, a variety called tumbler. 
which, as the name suggests, it literally tumbles, tumbles out of the basket. So it's ideal. All you need is one plant in about a 14 or 16-inch basket will fill it comfortably. And you can put a few hanging basket plants in with it if you want, just to have a bit of colour and a bit of variety. The tomato plant won't mind right. <laughs> if you do that. But that would be one, certainly, to grow in a hanging basket. Now, if the listener is growing a lot of uh, their plants in pots, yeah. you could get a good-sized tub as well, you know, about the size of a big paint tin bucket right. type of size of yeah. pot um, 10 or 15 litre pot make sure there are holes in the base of it put in a good quality compost and into that you could certainly grow some of the traditional tomato plants as well Alsa Crag Alicante Moneymaker those traditional varieties that would grow there's a lovely variety actually called Totem which only grows two feet in height so it'd be lovely in a, in a small or medium sized mm. pot uh, you could nearly grow it on a windowsill it's that small eight inches to two feet in height. So a tumbler for the hanging basket, and again, the plants are still available at the moment and they will fruit this year. Mm -hmm. uh, totem as a small variety to grow in a pot on a windowsill or say in a patio, conservatory type area. And then if you've got a larger pot and maybe a greenhouse or tunnel or a nice sunny area in the garden, get yourself some Alsa Crag, Moneymaker, Alicante varieties. Shirley is another good variety that you can plant. They'll grow to about four or five feet, but they'll quite happily grow in a pot. And, and again, they'll fruit this year. Okay. Now, somebody has lovely hostas in their garden. Right. Great leaf colour. Great. But the slugs uh, are destroying them. Anything better than the pellets for them? Yeah, well, I mean, anything better than the pellets. Um, slugs, of course, as you know, with the, with the sort of humidity and the sort of wetness that mm -hmm. we're having, they're having a field day. They are. I have, I have uh, yes, I, I, I have to say, it, the pellet, I find the pellets brilliant. Uh, it's a little bit like a slug graveyard yeah. in my garden <laughs> during the week because I put something out and they absolutely attacked it and I said, that's it. Yeah, and I would advise people to, to keep uh, an eye on certainly tender plants hostas in particular bedding plants vegetable mm. plants uh, the, the, the slugs are very damaging both slugs and snails are very dam damaging at the moment and they'll feed literally 24 hours the, the traditional slug pellet is effective little and often is the way to, to, to apply it not big heaps yes. uh, around the plant so it acts as a bait the, the slug will be attracted to it and it's very effective but on the hostas what I would use is the um, the liquid the slug liquid uh, it's called slug clear so it's a liquid you can spray it safely onto the foliage of the hosta and as soon as the slug comes onto the leaf, it kills it. And indeed, you can put it around the soil, around the base of the right. hosta. And again, as soon as the, particularly in, on a dry day like today, so we're, we're promised two relatively dry days today and tomorrow. Mm. If you put on the slug clear now, you'll have a, a better graveyard, I bet, than, than what you have. <laughs> oh, I tell I you, mean, it's it, good. It, it will work very effectively. Yeah. And um, the slug, with the pellet, you see the slug has to eat the pellet before it's effective. Yeah. With the liquid, it, it literally just has to come onto the treated area. So if you treat the pathway or the border or the soil around the plants, as soon as the slug comes onto that area, it becomes effective. Okay, and uh, is that is that suitable then for all plants? Well, or? I would I would use it to be honest big on, leaves well I'd use it on bedding plants yeah. and I'd use it on things like hosta large leaf plants you don't necessarily have to put it onto the foliage of the plants you can literally plant it around the base okay. right yeah. because they will they'll crawl on the base of the plant there might be an odd one hiding in the plant itself so you could apply it to the foliage as well mm. but as soon as they, they, they bring their body across the treated area it becomes effective so if it's a pathway or driveway or a curb or whatever you put it oh, onto right. it, it becomes or, or if you have a lawn you know you can apply it to the yeah. lawn and as they cross it it, it, it becomes effective so what wouldn't do is use it on my vegetable plants as yeah. in I wouldn't spray it on the leaf yeah. of my vegetable plants but you could certainly use it around the veg garden so the yeah. slug liquid it's invisible as well so kids children birds don't see it mm -hmm. um, so it's very safe that way and during dry weather it's extremely effective I mean it works very rapidly and it's called slug liquid it's 
it's called slug clear from slug memory clear, now. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Or if you ask in your local garden centre for the slug liquid, it's literally a liquid. liquid. You mix it in your washing can, you apply it, it's invisible, but as soon as the slugs pick it up, then it, it kills them. Whereas with the pellet, they literally have to walk to the pellet. Yeah, and I suppose the it. other thing about it is, and this is completely from an aesthetic point of view, yeah. but the pellets are blue and they're a bit ugly looking, shall we they're say. They're blue for a reason though. So our birds don't take yeah. them. Yeah. Well, so they tell me that the birds okay. can't see the, 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 the colour blue, so oh. therefore. But And if you are using the pellets, then you know, don't be putting handfuls. I mean, a small yeah, amount. Yeah. Every kind of six or eight inches is, is, you know, so a small application done regularly is better than a, a big dollop, dollop of them. Okay. Uh, but, but particularly for the hosta, I understand what they're saying. I mean, yeah. you could have slugs and snails hiding up through the foliage. They relish hostas yeah. and the liquid you would find very effective. And it literally works overnight. I mean, it, you'll find tomorrow morning that... Um, you, you, you've, you've oh, certainly yeah. you're on top of the the problem now for people that like to do organic uh, do it organically you've got the slug death which is an organic pellet or you can use the bear traps they're available in garden centres little bear traps little natural traps that again the slugs are attracted to and fall into Okay, lovely stuff. But it is a problem, definitely. And if you have newly planted plants, plants in containers will be affected. Uh, I'd often see them in hanging baskets, believe it or not. Yeah, they get you know, everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So so do keep an eye out, particularly on tender plants or plants you put out for the last couple of weeks or plants that are particularly, that they relish like hostas. Okay. Yeah. Now, Porik, somebody has a problem with pansies okay. and they have some holes in the leaves. What is this they're wondering? That's capsid bug. So what you need to do is get a, a uh, um, an insecticide like bug clear would be very effective on that. So literally just uh, spray it onto the foliage uh, the feed generally in the evening time, night time, and that will eradicate the problem. So uh, a light application of bug clear will see that off. Okay, lovely. Now, what what is safe to spray on fruit for bugs so you can eat it also? What did you say to spray on beech hedges? Well, well, again, for the beech hedges, look out for the white aphid because mm-hmm. that's, that's very destructive. And again, I would use um, the bug clear actually would be very effective on that. Mix it with water, apply it to the foliage and that'll see it off. For the vegetables, use one of the organic treatments or one of the um, safer treatments. In particular, I'd use an insecticide with pyrethrum in it. So look for any of the pyrethrum type sprays. Um, again, bug clear do one specifically for fruit and vegetables. So if you apply the treatment today, you can eat the the produce tomorrow. Right. So it just needs a day, an interval, one day of an interval between spraying and, and treating. Um, so if you are treating any of your vegetables, fruits uh, for, for pests, then look for that. Uh, it's one specifically for fruit and vegetables from Bug Clear, and that's very effective. For the beach, use the traditional Bug Clear on it, and that will eradicate the aphid. And okay. again, a dry day, try to get it under the underside of the leaf, particularly on the young tips of the beach. Mm. That's where you'll see the, the, the beach aphid. Okay, now, this is an interesting one. Uh, somebody's wondering, is there is there such a type of a turnip that is grown for salads that can be eaten raw? Well, I suppose all turnip can be eaten raw. They can, yeah. Um, and I think we, we often mistake turnips and suedes. You know, they, they, traditionally we call the suede. The turnip. Uh, yeah, we do, don't we? The orange, well, yeah. the suede. What is the difference? Is well, well just, just they're just, different different. they're in the same family, yeah. but they're just two different uh, types, as it were. The suede has the orange flesh in general um, and tends to grow very large, you know, yes. like the traditional. Okay, so there, ma- yeah, that's what I Mangrees would call very good variety and again it's not too late to sow the traditional suede or turnip as we call it but there are uh, proper turnips let's call them and that they're way. the smaller they're ones smaller and um, there's a variety called snowball and it's called snowball because it's like a snowball it's right. pure white right so that and even the flesh 
in it is pure white. And if you sow that from seed and harvest them young, so if you sow them from seed now, they'll be ready for picking in about a month and a half to two months. Mm. Um, and pick them young and the flavour is very intense and very sweet and they can actually be eaten raw in salads or just the flesh eaten raw or they can be cooked as well, like the traditional um, like the tra- traditional turnip. So that's, if you want something for salads, I would grow the snowball. Uh, there's another variety called Sweet Bell, which again, as the name suggests, it's very sweet and very intense flavour in it. So... Both of those are are proper turnips, as it were, smaller in, in size, pick them young, and they're very sweet and they're ideal for salads. But it's still not too late to sow the traditional suede turnip um, from seed. You'll harvest it late in the season. And if anything, the, the suede is better left in the ground through the winter period. The, right. the actual frost helps to sweeten the flavour oh. in turnips. So the longer you leave them in the ground, right up to January or early February, right. um, all the better. So dig them as you need them rather than lifting them in the autumn. Yeah, and they're a great vegetable, I have to tell you. Yeah, I, I love yeah. turnips yeah. or swades. Swede. Yeah, which is what we yeah. probably eat more often than the regular That's turnips. That's what are. it is, yeah. Okay, now, uh, let me see, where are we? Oh, yes, yeah, somebody ham is wondering about, is this the right time of the year to sow both wallflowers and sweet william seed? They seem to miss the right time each year. Yeah, but again, they're flowering, they're flower, sweet williams are just coming into flower at the moment. Wallflowers have been flowering since the end of April, early May, and again, that kind of triggers your, your you know, that triggers the, the actual timing of the year. Mm. They're flowering now, so they're going to be choosing seeds. So the answer is yes. Wallflowers, sweet williams, all the spring flowering, spring or early summer flowering plants like uh, forget-me-nots, double daisies, uh, pansies, the spring, the winter and spring pansies, uh, primulas, the primroses, the lovely primroses, all of those are sown from seed, wallflowers included, and sweet william are sown from seed at this time of year. And again, if you think about it, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks back, mm-hmm. that the temperatures are ideal at the moment. 15, 16 degrees Celsius, sure, couldn't be better. Yeah. You've got a natural propagator uh, just in the, in the weather conditions we're having, so the seed will germinate very, very easily, and you'll have super plants by the autumn, which will come into flower then over the winter or spring of next year. Okay. Now, somebody's wondering where can they buy a fuchsia called Sunray? They can't find it anywhere. Yeah, Sunray is a beautiful variety. It's okay. got lovely foliage, brilliant, uh, kind of variegated, bright, pinky, whitish foliage and red flowers. A really re- nice variety. It's a little early yet. I'm not surprised you can't get it. It's normally available from about the end of June, early July. So look for it then. Um, and it's a really nice variety. And indeed, fuchsias in general, particularly the fuchsias for pots and containers. Um, as you know, they're going to be coming into flower now over the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for them. It's a great time to plant fuchsias. And they will flower right through till October, November of this year. But Sunray is a particularly nice variety, but it's a tad early yet, um, particularly this year. So look for it possibly the, towards the end of June, the first week of July, and the plants will be available then. Okay, lovely. Now, uh, well, somebody's wondering, any treatment to kill off ivy on palm trees? It's destroying the trees. Well, again, if, if as long as you can apply the, the treatment just to the ivy, and you know, if the trees are fairly strong, then that shouldn't be an issue. What I would do, to be honest, if if the ivy's scrambling up through the top of the uh, the palm trees, I would cut the ivy very close to ground level. That will allow the stems to die up through the the, the, the canopy of the uh, conifers, and it will also stimulate the ivy to re- start re-sprouting again at at the stump or at the base of the of the palms. And then, when the new growth comes on, treat it with a, a the stump treatment that I mentioned for the horsetail. Mm. So it's made by Roundup. It's called stump treatment or or uh, yeah, stump treatment or brushwood killer. Yeah. You simply mix it with water, add a little bit of detergent to washing up liquid, apply it to the young ivy, and that will kill it off. 
very, right. very quickly. So cut the ivy back, give it a couple of weeks to regrow, and then treat it with the with, with the with the treatment with the, right. the stump out treatment, and uh, that'll eradicate it. Okay, because it can. I mean, yeah, it's easy enough yeah. to get rid of it, right. but, but it, you know you do need to get on top of it, and particularly yeah. as ivy is growing vigorously, when the young growth is there, you get a better better kill. Okay. Now somebody has three holly trees. One is about 20 years old and this year they didn't come into full leaf, just very small leaves. There was well, that's worrying. I that mean, person ho- lives in Belmollet. I don't know if their location has any influence well, on... Well, hollies are, hollies are quite tough but not enough. I mean, you know, in, in, in a sea, seaside area you've got the difficulty of high winds, you've got the salt in the air um, and generally in a seaside garden I would recommend that holly would be planted in a more sheltered spot. The fact though that, that, the, that it dropped a lot of its foliage is very worrying and right. Particularly now that the, the growth is very small, do bear in mind that hollies are extremely slow growing, um, and so obviously something has upset that plant over the last uh, over the winter period in particular. Whether it's got some root rot mm. or some root rocking, um, or whether it's just been da- badly damaged by 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 stormy weather and the leaves have 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 shed, have dropped off the plant, which would be a natural instinct for the plant to do when it comes under stress or it comes up in any hardship, it would drop quite a lot of its foliage. What I would do in this instant is feed it now, feed it with a tree and shrub fertilizer. Um, uh, remember that hollies aren't going to produce copious amounts of, of foliage. They're, they're very slow growing, but the feeding will certainly help to bring back a canopy of foliage onto the plant. So get yourself some sudden impact granules or tree and shrub granules. Apply it around the base of the holly now, repeat it in a month's time, and that'll bring on the foliage for this year. And just see how it does then over this winter period. If it starts to go back to losing foliage, then you've got a disease problem in the roots and you know, the likelihood is that plant will have to be removed. Okay. Now, somebody's wondering, why would cauliflower be going into two heads and turning yellow? Well, cauliflower, remember what you're, what are you eating with the cauliflower? You're actually eating the flower bracts of, of the plant. Right. And anything that, again, for, stops the cauliflower from growing well will get it to, to bolt or start to split, as the listener describes. So, again pests around the basewood and again cabbage root fly is a problem yeah. at the moment and they will attack cauliflower as well so I would treat it for, for root fly in particular. Now once the curd or the, the central head starts to split and deform then I would take that plant out actually because it's not you're not going to rectify the problem but the other plants that are that are planted um, I would treat it for the, the root fly now use the super nemos or the karate treatment um, and that will eliminate any problems um, with cauliflower you'll often find with cauliflower anyway in the best of gardens if you're growing a dozen plants you'll always find two or three that okay. runs a seed or, or the, the curd starts to just grow funny starts to rot or it starts to, to split or, or starts to grow very long and, and for it's it's pushing itself into flowering. Right. So it's it's not like growing cabbage or Brussels sprouts. You will have a rate of attrition so with, you will. Yeah. You will always have that with cauliflower. You'll never get a perfect uh, uh, you know 10 plants out of 10 would grow perfectly would right. be very unusual okay. and any sort any sort of growing um, impediment be it cold weather early frost can damage them can upset them and certainly uh, things like cabbage root fly will distort the, the actual growing curd and, and, and get it to, to split and exactly as the listener describes. So I would just keep an eye out for that. Lift the plant that's that's affected. Have a look at the roots. See is there any cabbage root fly maggots there? If they are, treat the rest of the plants. Give them a feed as well. Okay. That will help. A liquid feed would help to kind of boost them on. 
and the rest of the plan should be fine. Lovely. That's all we've time for, I'm afraid. There you go, until next Saturday. Yeah, until well, Saturday. remember the, the website, gardencentre.ie. Uh, click onto the, the blog. I have all the jobs of the week put up there anyway. Okay, good stuff. Despite the weather. Right. And uh, there are hints and tips on the Super Nemos and other uh, interesting topics that, that I've written over the last couple of weeks. The other thing, I'm on TV3 this Thursday, so I'm going to be doing roses. Okay. And I'm also going to do a couple of tips in the garden. So if you're around Thursday morning, around half eight, We'll tune morning. in. Tune in and I'll be showing different varieties of roses. Irish grown varieties, actually some beautiful varieties that have come into flower over the last couple of weeks. Okay, lovely stuff. Porik, thank you very much thank indeed. Uh, stand by. News is on the way for me for the moment. Good morning.